I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And it's kind of a sad morning. Feeling pretty bummed out. Alex Trebek passed away this morning, 80 years old. National treasure. Greatest game show host of all time, in my opinion. I don't think anybody would argue about that with me. Very sad this morning. Feeling pretty pretty bummed out. Of course, the other big piece of news this, this week, uh, the American election. I think we're both pretty pleased that Donald Trump lost. We'll leave it at that. Uh, you just oh, well, we both found out very recently within the last hour the Trebek news broke. So, still kind of processing. Yeah, I mean, I you, I didn't even see the news because uh, it really just just broke, and you told me right before we got on the air or started recording. And uh, I mean, yeah, I I think I mean we it's been public his battle with uh, pancreatic cancer, and I do believe it was at a quite an advanced stage. But uh, I mean, it still hurts. I gotta say, because this man. Uh, not just a national treasure, I would say international treasure, because yeah, I agree. Uh, probably the best game ho- game show host out there uh, that, you know, I can't think of any better. And really, he was the man behind Jeopardy uh, in terms like, you know, public image and stuff like that. And, you know, I, Jeopardy, I watched a bunch of Jeopardy growing up as well. And uh, yeah, it's iconic. The show's iconic. Alex Trebek is iconic. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's truly the passing of a legend uh a canadian legend at that and uh yeah it's it's very sad and uh he was he was truly uh just an excellent personality and it, jeopardy for him was a perfect fit you could tell like meshed perfectly and it was just really a perfect game show host uh i don't know any better in terms of uh for anybody in that job who did a better job than he did and so you know it sucks i mean even during his battle with cancer he was still they were still uh, churning out those Jeopardy episodes. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a tough loss. It's a tough loss here. I mean, 2020 strikes again, I guess. And uh, yeah, it fucking sucks. Yeah, I wonder, do you think they're going to uh, like keep keep going with the show? Do you think they're going to find a replacement for him? I know Alex Trebek mentioned that eventually when it comes time to replace him, that he hopes that the audience would treat the new host with the same love and affection i guess that they treated him uh i am not as probably in tune with jeopardy as as you were overall do you think they're gonna find a new host for the show i don't expect that they would call it quits now that alex trebek has passed away but i don't know if it's gonna be obviously very hard to to find a replacement for him yeah fucking big shoes to fill right huge shoes to fill for the next guy but uh i mean I, i yeah i don't see them stopping the show Right. Uh, even if they, you know, they lost their icon, but I think they'll try to find the new host. And uh, because I mean, for a lot of families, for a lot of households, they watch Jeopardy at night. Right. And I'm pretty sure their viewership is still very strong, uh, especially in the pandemic. You think about it. Right. Uh, everybody's at home uh, after like it airs around like after dinner time, And and, you know, so it's like perfect family viewing. You can play with your family and whatnot. And so I think I think they'll give it a shot. Uh, I personally will will give the new host a shot. Uh, obviously, I don't think, you know, we'll give them some time because, because you know, that's how host, hosts, they, you know, the great ones, they all grow into their roles because uh, Alex Trebek's been doing it for I don't fucking know how many years now. And so you got to give got to give the new guy or woman a shot. And uh, I mean, I'm, I, I will, I, I you know, it won't be the same. I can't lie, but I'll try my best to embrace the new host, whoever they are. And yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be different. And I'm sure there'll be uh, an adjustment period. Uh, watching the first episode without Alex Trebek will be weird as hell. Uh, but, you know, that's that's how it goes. And, mm-hmm. yeah. The thing with Jeopardy, I think, that really made Alex Trebek stand out was a lot of other game shows like Family Feud or The Price is Right, like, relatively easy to host and you know because they're you know a lot of you know flashy colors and fun games and it's probably pretty easy to make that entertaining to watch as the host jeopardy like you know it's much more much more simple and basic and well not basic in terms of the game but basic in terms of what it looks like and what the structure is like so it's very hard to make so many people love to watch that especially you know like all these knowledge like most people watch know the answers to very few of these questions and the fact that Alex Trebek was a- able to keep everyone engaged the entire time it's it's probably extremely hard to do and that's why i think it's he's the greatest game show host ever oh absolutely in a way he kind of made like that the, the nerdiness kind of accessible to the general public, right? Because 
uh, yeah, you kind of need that liaison. If you have some rando hosting it and, you know, it's just a bunch of random facts, the audience probably loses interest, right? You don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, all these words you've never fucking heard of. Uh, but, you know, Alex brought the uh, the personality, the the witty banter, you know, with the contestants and that that break uh, midway through the first round where he talked to the contestants and stuff like that. He made it fun. He made it a game, uh, in the game part of game show. And uh, I mean, yeah, tough gig. That's why I mean, like when I say big shoes to fall for Alex Trebek, yeah, it's not only uh, his, you know, looking at the predecessor, but yeah, it is a tough gig in terms of making it fun for the audience. I'll, I'll, making it so that I want to watch after my dinner during the evening. Uh, so yeah, but but he was just so good at it. He was just so fucking good at it. And, you know, I've been on Jeopardy binges. I just watch fucking episode after episode. And I mean, I, I, I didn't get sick of it. Just had fun the whole time. And he was definitely... Uh, an integral part of that. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. one more is there to say. Yep. Yeah, very sad. And in terms of hockey, I mean, if you want to make a hard pivot. Uh, actually, um, it was this only like a month ago we, when we were doing our reaction to the draft and he made the announcement for the Tim Stutzel pick. Only a month ago. Very strange to think about that it was, it was that recently. I don't know if it was. It must have been recorded like not long before the draft. So, yeah, kind of a time capsule i guess i don't know but anyway we are definitely in the dog days of the off season the equivalent to august in a normal year except we're not sure exactly how long this august is going to last because they're still aiming for january 1st according to uh bill daly yesterday they're still aiming for january 1st remains their objective and they won't go less than 48 games which i think is totally fine i don't think they should cram too many games into a short period of time but anyway, nothing's going on. This The week in terms of hockey news has been basically a, a void of darkness. Mackenzie Weger signed an extension for pretty cheap. Uh, the Rangers signed a couple of their RFAs. The Ducks signed their first rounders to, to ELCs. Yeah, nothing, nothing very... This is really... I mean, we had that long break between, you know, when the season got paused and then when the like the play-in started again. But this is really like our first, our first off-season on Fusion where really nothing's happening. Yeah, no kidding. You're right. It is our first offseason because right, we started at the beginning of the last one uh, a million years ago. And uh, yeah, truly, really nothing exciting coming out of the hockey news sphere. Uh, and uh, I guess, well, I mean, that's what it is every year, right? With the offseason. Uh, just got to just gotta grind it out for us content uh, producers out here. And yeah, I mean, make the best of it. I mean, you talk about those signings. I mean, that's about it, right, people? It's, it's RFA season. Uh, who else got signed? Anthony Manta got a, a nice little deal. Four by oh, five, yeah. five seven. Uh, and wait, he's only 25. That's kind of wild. Uh, and so that's, I think that's a nice deal for Detroit. Uh, he's our first liner. I think he's a bona fide first liner. Uh, quite a good winger. And so, yeah, 5.7 million. That's very reasonable. Uh, he's He's been good for like two, three, four years now. So uh, I think two to three actually. And uh, yeah, other than that, really, yeah, you're absolutely. It's just, like, I mean, Ryan Pulik. We could talk about the Islanders. Did we talk about the Islanders last week and their cap situation? I can't remember. No, we didn't. I was going to... Yeah, I, I forgot that that happened this week, the, the Ryan Pulak contract. Because, yeah, that's something that's definitely worth talking about. Signed for two years. I didn't realize he was already 26. I think that was actually the same draft year as, as Anthony Manthe. He went like five picks before. So, two players who've been around for, for longer than we thought. Um, and this walks him straight into unrestricted free agency. Doesn't buy any years. I mean, the $5 million is definitely cheap in terms of AAV against the cap, but is it worth it for walking him straight to unrestricted free agency, your best defenseman? And honestly, looking at the Islanders' cap situation, they still have Matthew Barcel to sign and less than $4 million in space to do it. Um, you didn't really have much of a choice, unfortunately. I know that's Lou's fault, largely, that you've signed so many players to above what they're worth, but that's that's your fault. That's your fault that you've ended up in this situation where the smart thing to do is signing Ryan Pulak to a cheap deal that walks him straight into unrestricted free agency. And that we talked about the similar thing with Vancouver, right? When you have these bad contracts, when that you know you're very close to the cap because you know guys like Leo Komarov, Casey Sezikis, uh, Johnny Boychuk, Thomas Hickey are making more than they're worth, just to name a couple. Then all of a sudden you have to risk losing your actually important and valuable players. And I mean, Matthew Barzal, I still have no idea how that's going to how that's gonna work out with having barely any cap space. I actually went on Cap Friendly, pulled up like, like an armchair GM and tried to figure out like if they bury a bunch of, like if they bury Boychuk and a bunch of these other players in the minors, like can they make enough room to sign Barzal? And I mean, 
you can't really like there's gonna have to be another trade or like i don't know like obviously offer sheet front has been extremely quiet like it is almost every single year but uh you know that's always still a possibility in the off looming in the distance yeah absolutely because they're fucking handcuffed right now and i mean bad contract i think yeah they'll come back and bite you in the ass right when you when you need the money the most and i mean you to sign your franchise number one center matt barzal uh, and now it's really coming to haunt them and for pulak uh yeah it's it's uh it's a it's a solid signing money wise but that's the thing, right? You said it. Walks in for free agency, and that's it. It as as nice as it is, five million dollars. It's still five million dollars less uh, for Matt Barzal. So what are they gonna do? Uh, I know there's a buyout window that's just open, but I don't think I, I doubt they're gonna do anything there. I don't think. I think it's like four million dollars plus, and I don't see them buying any of these guys out because they have like two years left uh, at the minimum. All these guys who are over four million dollars. So. Uh, yeah, Lou has really put himself in a bind with some of these atrocious contracts on this team. And, yeah, it's coming to haunt him. And what are they going to do? I mean, I don't know. Because in a normal season, you would say, yeah, okay, you trade some of your higher-priced guys. But the thing is, who the fuck wants higher-priced guys right now? It's a flat cap. And, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you could look at, like, conceivably Ottawa and teams like that. But, I mean, that's a team that's also trying to save money as well. And so... Yeah, I think you're just going to have to... I think he's going to have to sweeten the pot with one of these players. Probably more than one of these players, actually. Uh, because, I mean, how much money are we expecting for Matt Barzell? Is it, like, $9 million? Ten? What do we no, think? No, I, I think they're going to have to do a similar thing with Pollock. They're probably... I bet we see, like, a whatever the number is, four or five-year deal, whatever walks him straight to UFA. I think that's what they're going to end up giving him just to lower the AAV as much as possible. Yeah, but even then, how much money do are we are we thinking for Matt Barzell? He's still uh, trying to secure the bag. I think you could maybe get it down to eight if you're walking him straight to UFA. I think that's possible. Okay, eight million dollars. So you need what four million dollars? Uh, probably a bit more, around four and a half. So I mean, there's no one who fits exactly that. So you'd probably have to give away yeah one of those fat contracts, five million dollars and higher. And yeah, really, how are you gonna? Who are you going to offload? I mean, either of these guys, all of these guys, I mean, I don't see them, I don't see anybody taking them contracts or, like, they're pretty important to the team. Like, I mean, I'm looking through their forward core. I mean, Andrews Lee signed for, like, six more years. He's not leaving. Brock Nelson's probably not leaving either of five more years. Uh, who's taking Jordan Ebler of five and a half of four more years? Who's taking that? Andrew Ladd's an atrocity of five and a half million for three more years. What a fucking terrible contract. Uh, and so, I mean, Pajo, that's another bad one. I mean, uh, sure, you acquired him, but you need the cap space. And so, I, I, I honestly, I don't see the path forward unless they're giving up big picks. Let me see their pick uh, their pick situation. Okay, so they have all their picks next year, basically. Uh, I mean, they have the, the Avalanche second, and they don't have their own. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I can conceivably see, like, a situation where they end up giving their first in order to get that cap space to sign Barzal. Uh, kind of similar to uh, the Patrick Marlowe situation with the Leafs uh, when they sent it to Carolina, I think it was. So, uh, I mean, I think I think that's really the only way forward for the Islanders. You gotta gotta have to get something big to get to keep Matt Barzell. I I really don't see any other option here. I think I've kind of forgot about the next buyout window. I think they would much rather go that route than giving up a high draft pick to shed some salary. So I pulled up an armchair GM. We can play around a little bit. I signed Barzal uh, five by eight, like we just mentioned as the as a possibility, and obviously they're over the cap right now. So I'm going to see how much it saves to buy out Johnny Boychuk, who has two years left on his contract at six million per. Wow, that that barely saves anything at all. Uh, that cap hit is like five, like almost six. It's five point one ish. For I don't see the layout of it right here. Maybe if I go long term outlook, I will. Uh, yeah, so buying out Johnny Boychuk would save very little for the next two years. It would be 5.1 against the cap for the next two, and then about 400000 for the two after that. So that's not really a viable option. Um, maybe buying out someone else, maybe Ladd would be a different structure, maybe Komarov, let me check. Uh, buying out Andrew Ladd would... Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, that would also save extremely little. So these buyouts would do very little, those big deals. Lad, Boychuk, neither would save very much at all against the cap. So looks like you're right. Uh, 
giving up a high pick or a prospect or something to shed some salary is probably what the Islanders are going to end up having to do. Yeah. I mean, you asked me, I think the situation is worse for the Islanders now than it is for, uh, was it was for the Leafs with Marlowe. Uh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's so, if you're a GM who can take this kind of money and there are not that many, you I think you can, you can pump some serious uh, assets out of this because you have so much leverage, right? Uh, yeah, there just aren't that many teams who are willing to take it. So if you are willing to take it, you are you know that you are one of the few. And the Islanders are extremely desperate, very very desperate at this point because yeah, you're about to lose your. Well, you're not. They're not going to end up losing him. They're going to find some way. But you know, if they don't do anything, you're going to lose your your one C, your franchise guy, uh, an absolute superstar. So. I mean, that's definitely not an option. So you've got all the leverage. If your team was willing to take that, uh, I'm just going to go to the cap-friendly homepage, see what kind of teams can take that uh, this season. Because, yeah, I'm just looking, like, how many teams is right now? Like, nine teams are over the cap. So, I mean, teams like, let's see. I mean, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Nashville, Ottawa, these are the teams that are, you know, that have the most cap space right now. And, and all of them, none of them is outrageously large. I mean, Ottawa, I thought they had more. They only have like $12 million of cap space. Uh, all right. So, uh, I mean, the teams are limited. Very limited number of teams. And so, if you're in New Jersey, if you're in Los Angeles, hell, if you're in Nashville, it's, you can really squeeze Lou Lamorello for some assets because he's in a serious fucking bind right now. Uh, worse than really anybody in the league. Yeah, uh, which I, something I think is kind of uh, applicable to this conversation about the Islanders. Uh, the Athletic, Dom LeCision, who I seem to bring up pretty frequently, and I think for a good reason, had an article this week where he ranked all the teams by like their, their contract efficiency, is what he calls it. So basically, like Boston is number one because, you know, Pasternak, Marsha, and Bergeron are all elite players on relatively extremely cheap deals. None of them are making even $7 million against the cap. McAvoy also is on a very cheap contract. They're number one. The Sharks are number 31. Obviously, you know, Vlasic, Carlson, all these bad contracts they have. The Islanders are 21st on this list, which is not very good. But then he says Andrew Ladd isn't even taken into consideration by his his model because he barely played it all last season. So the Islanders are in a very bad position. And I think when you you compared it to the Leafs situation last year, the Leafs, by the, or I guess kind of like a year and a half ago, actually, at this point, the Leafs were close to the top on this list. They are number five because they really don't have any players that are getting, well, besides maybe Mitch Marner, you could make the argument, is getting definitely paid more than he's worth. Like, especially, you know, you account for these players like Spezza and Joe Thornton who and like Jimmy Vesey maybe if you want to mention that also who are making under what they're worth so I mean yeah you talk about teams like Vancouver the Islanders with bad contract situations compare it to Toronto the reason Vancouver and the Islanders are actually much worse off is because the players they've given a lot of money to are actually not very good compared to Toronto where their highest paid players are generally elite yeah Absolutely. So that there's your difference between uh, good and bad management, right? Dog, what? Pay your good players. Don't pay for depth because these guys you can get them a dime a dozen. And uh, I mean, when you go around signing Leo Komarov for God knows how many years, I, I mean, eventually it comes back to bite you in the ass, right? So uh, and and obviously with Vancouver, we've talked about it extensively uh, how they're completely screwed because of their you know Russell Beagle Myers contracts. Uh, so. I mean, management matters. Having a good general manager who can efficiently uh, manage assets, it's it's no small thing. It really isn't. Like, sometimes you think, like, oh, do they actually live with the consequences? The answer is yes. And we're see. I mean, honestly, we don't really, do we really see, like, GMs in a serious cap bind that often? Uh, I don't really think so. Uh, But this season in particular, I feel like uh, we really would, like, New York and Vancouver, we're talking about how, like, yeah, these guys screwed up for like years on end with bad contracts. And I mean, they're, they're finally paying the price and I mean, it's kind of entertaining. I can't lie. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians, by the way, are number 13 on this list, which is probably to be expected, but middle of the pack, uh, considering, you know, we've mentioned that have some great contracts and some absolutely terrible contracts. And this is worth diving into a bit. This is worth diving into a bit because he has this, this really cool diagram where like the forwards, and the defensemen, 
uh, I don't see the goalies listed here, but the forwards and defensemen are listed by uh, like the value of their contract. And he also has this thing surplus value, where like so for for example, Brendan Gallagher is the best value contract on the Canadians. It gets like an A for contract grade, and it gets a surplus value of seventeen point six million, meaning that like over the course of the deal. Uh, it's projected that Brendan Gallagher will be worth 17.6 million more than he's given, which is a very good value on that deal. And uh, ranking these these forward contracts according to Dom's model by value, it goes Gallagher, Phil Dano, Tatar, Lekkonen, Toffoli, Armia, and then here's where we start getting into the negative surplus value. Jordan Wheel is like slightly overpaid. Then Paul Byron, Jonathan Drouin, and last with a negative 17.7 million dollar surplus value, Josh Anderson. A shocker. Oh, man. Big surprise. <laughs> oh, and by uh, the way, for the defenseman, uh, for the defenseman, Joel Edmondson has a negative $10.8 million surplus value. So he's uh, projected as the, the worst value contract for defensemen on the Canadians. Negative 10, how many million? Sorry? Negative $10.8 million over the course of the four-year contract. That's like a big majority of the contract. <laughs> is it? I yes, mean, it is. Uh, it's $14 million, this whole contract. Over four years worth $14 million. You're telling me uh, the negative value is like $10 million. That's, I mean, exact. this is why. This is exactly why. Uh, and Dom has clearly illustrated this in, uh, you know, fancy analytics for him. Why, yeah, these two contracts suck ass. Um, uh, I mean, Josh Anderson, those negative $17 million going to be spread over seven years. Uh, so, but uh, Joel Edmondson, ah. That's the fucking majority of the contract right there. Uh, $10 million. And so, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. Not a fucking good defenseman. Not good. Yeah, so doing some math, according to Dumb's model, I've calculated it. It judges Joel Edmondson over the course of a four-year deal should be making about $800,000 a year. So that's where the big <laughs> negative surplus value comes from. Uh, Josh Anderson, I want to figure this one out because uh, what's the total? 5.5 million times seven. What's the total value of this deal again? 38 and a half. So thirty and a half million minus wait thirty eight point five minus the seventeen point seven million surplus value. Oh whoops, I put equals and Google is telling me thirty eight point five equals seventeen point seven is false. That's what it says. Uh, anyway, twenty point eight is the leftover, and so it estimates Josh Anderson over seven years worth about two point nine seven million dollars AAV according to Dumb's model. I mean, that sounds much more reasonable, doesn't it? Because, Certainly first of all, Edmonton, as I've been, as I've been saying, uh, first of all, I would like to shout out uh, the, the one silver lining of these dog days of the off season, as you call them, is that it just gives me more time, more airtime to fucking harp about these awful contracts. Uh, and I'll, I'll gladly take that time right now. Uh, because, yeah, Joel Edmonton, as I've said before, is a bottom-pairing defenseman. And to pay him $3.5 million... At best, exactly. And to pay him this kind of contract is akin to paying Antoine Roussel whatever the crap, whatever the hell money he made. Uh, and, I mean, it's similar. You're taking a guy who doesn't deserve the money, who should be like a depth player at best. Does he make your roster? Ideally, no. Uh, and you're giving him fat cha- like a fat chunk of change over many years. And uh, and I said it about Josh Anderson, too. The guy's like a third liner. You said it, too. Uh, third liner. He's a third liner to pay him five and a half million dollars, uh, as Dom's model literally suggests and indicates. Uh, it's it's not a good move. It's not smart. You're not playing with your money right. And so I'm surprised personally that th- the Habs are thirteenth place. Uh, I guess I think I think it's Brendan Gallagher doing a lot of the heavy lifting for Mark Bergevin in this scenario because I mean yeah the Anderson contracts the Edmonton contracts and uh, just I mean they're terrible. They're terrible. And I'm glad we have some uh, analytical backup now from Dom uh, to support what we've been yelling for like over a month now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily Gallagher doing the heavy lifting, lifting to prop it up. I think it's more Anderson, Edmonton, and Drouin uh, propping it down because most of these seem to be pretty good value deals. Gallagher, obviously, the most. Dano, Tatar, Toffoli, Lekkonen, uh Petrie, Kulak, and Mete in terms of defensemen, all uh, pretty positive value. But I do want to say, uh, I'm not 100% sure 
I did all the math exactly right in terms of not sure if I have a perfect understanding of what all these numbers mean because I'm looking at the last place team, San Jose Sharks, and their worst value contract, Mark Edward Vlasic, he will, he's making $7 million per year over the next six years, which is $42 million total. And the surplus value is listed as negative $47.7 million. So I don't know if this is saying Mark Edward Vlasic is a negative value player who deserves a negative amount of money to play in the NHL. I don't think so. Maybe it's something to do with salary instead of cap it. Not 100% sure. But uh, Mark Edward Vlasic's <laughs> negative surplus value is over the combined cap it that he makes for the rest of the deal. But is it, is it over the life of the deal that he's been calculating with? Uh, I think he's just... Like- I think it's just calculating over the remainder of the contract. I don't know if the years that have already happened are taken into account. Maybe. But hey, uh, Vlasic, Mark Arthur Vlasic. I mean, there's no fucking. I mean, negative forty-six million dollars sounds about right. Uh, he's so fucking bad now. He's, he he just fell off the cliff, right? He fell off the cliff. So uh, I mean, sure, I would attribute negative value. I would pay some money to not have him on my team. Uh, why not? Why not? I mean, it's it's sure better than having that monstrosity. On the team, uh, the contract that is. So, uh, yeah. So, do you want to guess? Uh, do you want to guess what the yeah. worst value contract is according to this model? It's not. It's not Vlasic. No, that's is the worst it, on the oh Sharks. That's the worst on the Sharks, oh. uh, and close to the worst in the entire NHL. What do you think is the worst in the entire NHL? Well, I gotta think. Uh, pretty newly minted contract here uh, for another defenseman. First of all, I like to point out that most bad contracts. Are uh, go to defensemen. I don't know what it is, but like the the the, the worst contracts in the NHL right now, presently uh, as we speak, I would say most of them go to defensemen. Uh, I think that's just a product product of not not enough defensemen, and so they all get overpaid. Uh, but my opinion is that it's because uh, he's got so many years left at like eleven million dollars. I think it's Drew Doughty. Absolutely correct, Drew Doughty. Negative fifty eight point seven million. Dollars in surplus value over the course of the deal, eleven million dollars per year till twenty twenty six. That's uh yeah. So for for a team that's rebuilding, the LA Kings, I mean, you're hoping to be good within the next few years, and you're still gonna have that albatross on the books. Uh, it's gonna be getting in the way, I presume. I think maybe a buyout will come eventually in the future down the line. Yeah, it's an anchor deal right there. I mean, remember he he signed it with a without an agent, right? He signed it on his own. I mean, yep. <laughs> I gotta say. He did pretty well for himself. Uh, I know. I know he didn't get much of a signing bonus, right? That was the thing. But uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> got himself got himself way too much money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if giving Drew Doughty so much credit for being a master negotiator. Like, I could have been like, look, he won Norris trophies and and uh, Stanley Cups, so give him the uh, make him very high paid, and like they would have said okay, because of course they were they were always going to give Drew Doughty a, a very expensive contract. But as you mentioned, like the things with no signing bonuses and how it's actually structured so that it won't be that difficult to buy out. So I think those are the kinds of things like maybe an agent would have come in handy a bit for Drew Doughty for a little extra security there, but I'm sure he's doing just fine. Uh, oh. What I was going to mention before. Oh, did you have something to say? Nothing. I'll just think okay. So what are we going to say? Okay, what I was, was going to mention before when we were talking about the Islanders and teams that may be able to take on some of that dead space, Nashville, near the bottom of the league in terms of, well, they have a lot of cap space still, almost $13 million. They don't have any RFAs to sign except Luke Cunning, who will probably take up, I don't know, maximum $3 million of that. So that's still plenty of room to, I mean, if you wanted to add on some picks or prospects in a deal with someone like the Islanders, then that's definitely an option and you definitely have the room to do so. Not, and you still have, you know, probably some holes you'd like to fill in your bottom six. So if you can bring someone in like, I don't know, Cal Clutterbuck, maybe could help your team be better slightly. Or I'm confused as to why, obviously Mike Kaufman still hasn't signed anywhere. And that'll probably, you know, be a relatively ginormous piece of news when it does happen. Nashville seems like, like, why hasn't this happened yet? Like Nashville, I mean, they're always looking for, you know, scoring players. Mike Kaufman has scored like 30 goals or close to 30 goals relatively consistently as of late. And Nashville has the the space to make it happen. And Hoffman's probably only looking for like a one-year deal. But Nashville, like it would, in a heartbeat, I would offer Hoffman $5 million for one year. And Hoffman would probably take it at this point, even if you have to go up to, I don't know, five and a half. Just for, sure, why not Nashville? Do it. Yeah. I mean, from what we've heard about Hoffman, 
uh, he hasn't gotten much in terms of contract offers, right? Just really some bargain bin offers. And for a guy who has scored consistently, and yeah, a team that needs the goal scoring, uh, whose front, uh, you know, top six has been suspect in terms of living up to expectations and their contract. Uh, why not take a chance on this guy? Uh, and not even taking a chance because he's he's been a pretty, a relative certainty in this league in terms of goal scoring. And so, you know, I absolutely. Uh, Mike Hoffman seems like a great fit there. Uh, and when it comes to the Islanders, I mean, they have some serious... It's not just this offseason uh, that they don't have many contracts. It's also next season, right? Uh, I mean, I'm looking at their cap friendly. Uh, next offseason, they have to like... They're, they're only four UFAs, like Brad Richardson. Uh, in, on the defense, they have Dante Fabro and, and Jared Tenority. That can't possibly take up that much space. And so you can afford to take a multi-year guy. Uh, and they're in the goaltending situation. Pecorine's, uh his contract ends, but I think right. Uh, I think uh, they yeah. they've got their future goaltending right. They just drafted a Skarov, and they have Yusei Saros, uh, who I don't know what's the deal there. But they can shed uh, Pecorine with relative confidence there at 38 years old. So I mean, the money's there. Why not uh, go for a guy who has the big money for two years and get some big time assets because. You know, really, this national team, like, what's the deal here? It's, I mean, they had that cup run, but really, it's been middling, right? It's that's their identity now. It's kind of mediocrity, and so if you want to kind of retool on the fly, and if well, you're not even sending any players away, right? You're just using some some of that cast base up. Uh, if you can get like a first round pick out of it, which I think you absolutely can with the Islanders, I mean, I think that's the move. I think Hoffman is a, is a is a great move for them, a great option to look at, and I think getting one of those bigger contracts off the books so that the Islanders can then go ahead to sign Barzal. I think Nashville can absolutely stand to benefit from that. Their contract situation, not just this offseason, but the next. I think I think it's a perfect fit. I don't know if you can get a first-rounder. I think that's going to be very hard to get a first-rounder from Lou, especially with you know the Islanders. Uh, definitely not guaranteed to, to be good. I know they just made the Final Four, but uh, I don't know, like... Really, are we really that sold on the Islanders that they're definitely going to make the playoffs? I don't know if I am. I don't know if I'm. And I, I think honestly, Lou wouldn't have a hard time being like, "Oh, I'm not giving up a first rounder, and I'd rather just let Matthew Barzell sit while I, you know, wait for somebody else to come up with a better price." I think the only way is if you take like the really bad ones, like maybe Andrew Ladd plus another one, like Komarov. Like you take both of them. Maybe now we're talking first round pick. I really don't see it happening though. I disagree 100%. I think I don't think losing a position at all. But first of all, this team, right, they made a nice little deep run. Is Are they talented enough to do it again? I personally don't think so. But I'm sure there's optimism within that organization. And that with that optimism, optimism comes pressure, right, to do it again, uh, to run it back. And if you don't have, they cannot afford to let Matthew Barzal sit. It's just not possible for a team that can't score that's their main problem. You cannot possibly let Matthew Barzal sit for any stretch uh, of the season. You're completely fucked. Uh, if you know, that's just that's just how it is. So I mean, when I say Lou has no leverage, he has no fucking leverage. And so if Nashville comes along and says, "Okay, we'll take we'll take one of your big contracts, and you're gonna give us a first for it," and Lou says, "No, I'm gonna sit back." If I'm Nashville, if I'm David Paul, okay, I'm just gonna say, "Fuck you." C- call me back when you're ready to give me that first, and then I'll just wait and I'll just sit on it. And then Lou will inevitably come crawling back because he has no leverage here. That's the thing. I mean, I know he's got that personality, that reputation of being, you know, a tough guy, uh, Lou, a tough negotiator and whatnot. And he's an intimidating presence within the league. But frankly, I mean, uh, tough shit for Lou right now because he has no leverage. Nowhere. Nowhere. Sidney Barzal is not an option for this team at all. There is just not enough talent on this team. Uh, You know, scoring talent. To let him sit. That's just the reality of the situation. And so, you know, you, I, I, I mean, uh, it's, it's an interesting theory. Like uh, I could see Lou doing it, but not like, like it would be a, if anybody in the league would do that and be like, huh, I'm going to sit on this. I'm going to let him sit. It's Lou, but I don't think he can because they've did so well last season and he's under pressure. He's under pressure. Even if it is just, if, even if it is, uh, the big personality that is Lou or the big presence that is Lou, I think he's, he's under pressure to perform. It, you know, the team is, and Letting Barzal sit, it's just not possible. I, it's just not possible, I don't think. Yeah, well, okay, I understand where you're coming from in that it's stupid and it's terrible optics. But another thing that I 
that I think differentiates this from like, for example, Nylander who missed a bunch of time, almost had to miss the entire year because they only got in a couple minutes under the deadline to sign that deal. I think what's different between this and that is if the Islanders can't manage to get Barzal signed before the season starts, it's a hundred percent on them because they don't have the cap room. Whereas with Nylander, they had the room. And so, you know, the op- like you could shift the blame around a little bit onto, onto both sides there. Whereas with Barzal, it's, it would not at all be his fault if they couldn't manage to strike up a deal. It would be because they just don't have the room to do it. So that is another reason why I think you're right that Lou won't make Barzal sit because then there's nowhere else to push the blame onto except for yourself. Yeah, he's Matt Barzal. Let's not forget, he is now uh, the, the, what is it? I mean, he's like the number one guy for the fans. They, they love him, right? Because why? Marquee. Because he fucking replaced John Cabarrus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. he, he is in Barzal. And uh, just, I mean, right? Because uh, Dr. Barrett's left. And then uh, Matt Barzal really uh, exploded, came onto the scene. And then fans were like, fuck you, Tavares. Uh Barzal's our homeboy now. And uh, I mean, he's lighting it up. So he's absolutely beloved there, right? Uh, as franchise cornerstone. And so, I mean, yeah, just the optics, optics-wise, but also just like team performance-wise. I mean, look at this forward core without Matthew Barzal. It's a complete train wreck. I mean, this team's going to suck shit. It might suck shit even with Barzal, but like, there's no, there's no chance in hell they do anything without him uh, for really any stretch. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, if this team needs scoring, right? I keep saying it. And so they can't afford to lose Barzal for any sort of stretch. And so, you know, you can't get him to sit. You have to sign him before the season starts. That's just the reality of the situation. And, uh, I mean, you can play tough guy all you want, Lou. But when it comes down to it, you are you have no leverage. You are so... Like, you have negative leverage uh, to a point that I don't know if we've ever seen. Uh, because, like, you know, not, not recently in the NHL. He just has no leverage whatsoever with one player holding all the power. Uh, and, and really other teams as well who, who have the power to get him out of it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. He put himself here, really. And uh, he's kind of paying the consequences. Barcel and Tavares, actually, they did have one year together, Barcel's rookie year, when Barcel had, like, 85 points and won the Calder. And then that offseason was when Tavares left so they did have that one year together before like you know Lou and Barry Trotz came in and was like all right no more offense no more fun and uh yeah then of course they made the playoffs and Barzal's numbers just so happened to take a, a nosedive after that point but anyway anyway um how long have we been about 37 minutes ready to do guess who want to do guess who right. right now yeah I think okay. so I mean uh, I, I've been yeah, a long time. really it's been a long time uh, not much else to talk about, I don't think. Uh, really, I mean, do we do we want to talk? Do we talk about Sagan and Bishop? Do we want to. Oh, we did that. We did not. Uh, so they'll both be out. I think five months, right? Is that what they said? Yeah, five months. So that's probably we don't know when the season is starting, of course, but at the very least, a massive chunk of the regular season that Dallas will be missing those players. I don't think they're as concerned about missing Bishop considering Anton Hudobin just led them to the Stanley Cup final as they are with missing Tyler Sagan. And now, you know, some combination of Pavelski, Rupi Hintz, Jason Dickinson, Radek Faxa. I guess those are going to be your your four centers all kind of, you know, carrying the load together. Yeah, I mean, really big loss. I mean, I wouldn't even... I mean, I know uh, Hudobin proved himself uh, during the playoffs, but has he really proven himself as a starter? I mean, not really. And... Frankly, I think Bishop is an underrated loss because, I mean, he's been one of, like, the very, very best goaltenders over the last two seasons, right? I mean, uh, he had a lights-out season, like, not not the season that just ended, but the season before that. And then we're talking about how he was, he was probably going to regress this season. But the only regression he had was just, you know, the injuries that hit him uh, because he was playing fantastic this season, too. So I think Ben Bishop is a huge loss. Obviously, it's mitigated if Hudobin can play well, but we don't know. Like, he's getting old, too, and he had a nice little playoff run, but can he hold up during the entire regular season? That's like that's a question. That's a legitimate question right there at goaltending for the Stars. And so, you know, because Bishop, yeah, he's been an elite goaltender. Elite. And I think I think a lot of us have forgotten that. Uh, I know I found myself kind of forgetting that because Hudobin uh, really carried them to the, to the cup final. But, uh, I mean, that's not to forget there uh, because, I mean, Hudobin didn't play much, not, not only because of the break, the COVID break, but also prior to that, he's a backup. Uh, and I mean, Sagan, yeah, he's like, well, he's like their top four, uh, him and, and Ben. And so, I mean, what is a fucking huge loss, huge loss. So 
Dallas, I mean, wow, to, to have this kind of announcement at the same time, five months for two of your two of your most important players, I would say. Uh, that's, I mean, I know they just came off their cup run, but they've they're uh, they've got an uphill climb ahead. Uh, I mean, ahead. Uh, I yep. think I think there's. I mean, I'm not counting them out, but the the cards are definitely stacked against them. It's a shame we're gonna have to wait a little longer to see Sagan in that glow in the dark jersey. I was kind of looking forward to that, oh, him man. specifically. But oh well. <laughs> Oh, well, sacrifices must be made. Anyway, so we haven't done Guess Who in, I think, since like the, like right after the Stanley Cup final ended, which is a very long time ago, like a lifetime ago. And the score, if I recall, I'm currently winning the series two, one, and three ties. And you are thereby one win, two losses, and three ties. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. Uh huh. Trying to decide this week who, which, what team should we do? And I sent you a message said, should we do the the Florida Panthers, considering the earth shattering Mackenzie Weger signing? And we decided, sure, why not? So obviously the bubble is done, so we don't have like thirty one players. We have tw- back to twenty five, which I think was about what we did at the beginning. And this is also the first guess who game where we're going to have new acquisitions for these teams and the Panthers specifically have made quite a fair amount of new acquisitions this off season. So there are a fair amount of players who haven't played for the Panthers yet who are going to be part of this, this guess who crop. So I'll read off the, the players, Nola Chari, Alexander Barkov, Sergei Bobrovsky, Henrik Borgstrom, Brett Connolly, Chris Dredger, Aaron Ekblad, Radko Gudis, Vinny Hinestroza, Patrick Hornquist, Jonathan Huberto, Brady Keeper, Ryan Lomberg, Samuel Montambo, Marcus Nunavara, Alexi Sarala, Riley Stillman, Anton Strawman, Owen Tippett, Frank Vetrano, Carter Verhage, Mackenzie Wieger, Alexander Wenberg, Scott Wilson, and Keith Yandel. Hell yeah. All right. So that's our list. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I will. I mean, have yes, you had it? I mean, yeah. Have you added anything to your, your, uh, your Excel sheet? In fact, this week we are, I've gone completely the opposite direction because if you recall, uh, my, my, my spreadsheet completely failed me last time around, uh, a complete collapse, uh, and malfunctions, I think on like every single round. So we've really, we skinnied it down actually. Uh, and we're going to stick to the basics and that's my new strategy. That's my strategy this week. I took an L. I had to reinvent myself. I had to go back to the drawing board, think a little bit. And this is what I've come up with. I'm going skinny. That's the strategy today. All right. So I don't know if you're going to tell me what, uh, what, like how many, how many columns do you have? What are the okay. new pieces? If you're allowed to share that information with me. Well, new pieces. That's a thing. They're well, more like pieces that have been eliminated. So, you know, I don't have a salary column. Uh, honestly, I probably won't use the birthday column uh, because that's kind of thrown me off in the past. Uh, so those have been cut. So what I have now are number, player, uh, like first name, last name. We have their country of origin. We have their position. We have, you know, the weight. Uh, we have their shooting uh, direction. We have their draft position, draft team, draft year. Uh, so that's 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 what I've got going on. What, what, what about your side there? On my side. All right. I'll be honest. I've mentioned this to you. I've been a pretty hectic week on multiple fronts and I actually forgot till Friday, like, oh, man, we need to come up with the Guess Who team. And so yesterday I sat down, I, st- I looked at my spreadsheet, I started making it. I did last name, first name, number. Then I said, you know what? I really don't feel like doing this right now. I'm going to give myself a break. So those are the only three columns that I have, last name, first name, number. And uh, so okay. I'm really getting back to the basics here. I will. That's, that doesn't mean I'll only ask questions about those three things, but those are the only things I have right in front of my face. So we're really putting this simplicity wins theory to the test today. Wow, really picked up on that? Uh, I thought I went simple, but clearly this man uh, really just like cut everything, which is, uh, okay, all right, we'll see what's up. I thought you would uh, stick with your formula given that uh, it brought you success last time, but uh, you know, throw me a curveball, I see. Throw me a curveball. I would have if I had more energy, but uh, but alas. All right, so since I won last time, I get to declare... That, that I have the home spreadsheet advantage. So you guess first for game one. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, okay. So I have my player. Uh, oh, yeah. I totally forgot we have to pick a player. Wow. I am <laughs> off my game. <laughs> I don't even know like what question I was going to answer or how I would answer it. But anyway, okay. Copying my list into random.org. Pasting. Randomizing. Got my player. Okay. All right. So, so uh, I guess I'll mute first. 
Uh, oh right, uh, you can, yes. You can you totally can forgetting about all these all these rituals. I've totally forgotten. So tell me when you're muting. <laughs> all right, I'm muting in three, two, one. Muted. My player is Brady Keeper. Okay, I am returning now. Okay. Uh, okay, I have returned. I am muting in three, two, one. Okay, my player is Frank Vetrano. Frank Vetrano. All right, I'm coming back. I'm back now. All right, okay. so you guess first. Let let the games begin. All right, here we go. So uh, notably, we have we both have one player who does not have a player number. So uh, shout out to Scott Wilson. Uh, I'd never heard of him before this, and uh, man doesn't have a number. So. Okay, what shall we start with? Hmm, uh, maybe, you know what? Should we start with a classic, a forward defense kind of sort? Um, let me think. How's my numbers game? Okay, we'll do it. Is your player a forward? My player's not a forward. Oh my god, just like that. Um, just incredible. I gotta love it. Great start. I'm loving my odds. All right, I'm going to start with a question that uh you know it's on my one of my three columns does your player have a number that is 30 or less does my player have a number that is 30 or less the answer to that is no okay so your player does not have a number that is 30 or less which could also mean that they don't have a number so scott wilson is still a possibility very much so okay all right, so who's next? I've got defensemen. I've got goalies. Hmm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a country of origin right now. So I think the most common by far is Canada. So is your player Canadian? Yes, my player is Canadian. Okay, that we're down to seven already. This is a fantastic start. Um, or six actually. Sorry, six. Um, I'm, I'm come back roar. I'm motivated after that L that I took. So here we are, ready to go. I'm uh, starting to regret not putting much effort at all into this spreadsheet, but it's okay. I haven't lost faith. Uh, was your player drafted by the Florida Panthers? Okay, let's let's check that right now, uh, real quick. Let's see. You know, I gotta search just in case. You know, my spreadsheet breaks again. Uh, course, I really don't wanna. I don't wanna take that risk. So uh, my player was not drafted by the Florida Panthers. All right, so I'm saying goodbye to Sam Montumbo, saying goodbye to Mackenzie Weger. Uh, pretty sure I'm st- saying goodbye to Riley Stillman. Let me just check that one out to make sure. Uh, yes, Riley Stillman was a Panthers draft pick, so he is off the table. Owen oh, Tippett's off the table. Borgstrom's off the table. Eh, not that great. Anyway, your turn. Carry on. All right. I'm going to go a draft round. Uh, was your player... Drafted in the third round or earlier? My player was not drafted in the third round or earlier. Okay, so that leaves me with three. Uh, undrafted Brady Keeper, Mackenzie Weger, and Riley Stoneman. All right, three defensemen. Okay, yeah. me. All right. Was your player... Ooh, here, here I have a good question. Uh, has your okay. player ever played a game for the Florida Panthers? All right. My player has played a game for the Florida Panthers. All right, so that's no Patrick Hornquist, no Marcus Nudivara, no Ryan Lomberg, and no Scott Wilson. So we got four players left now. Okay, all right. So I've got three. Now's the time to start shooting buckets, all right? So we have Keeper, Uyghur, and Stillman. And you know what? Keeper and Uyghur both rhyme in my mind, even though technically that's that's not correct. So uh, we're going to go with the odd man out. Riley Stillman. Is your man Riley Stillman? No, my player is not Riley Stillman. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Okay, your turn. All right, so now you have two players left. I got. I have four players left, so I'm going to play it safe here for a second and guarantee to whittle it down to two so that we're on even playing fields. Is your player a goalie? My player is not a goalie. All right, so there's no Sergei Bobrovsky, no Chris Jedger, so I'm down to Nolachari and Frank Vitrano. Okay, interesting. So, Keeper Uyghur. Um, Keeper's got the better name. Uh, Brady Keeper. So is that what we should go with? Or should we go with uh, Mr. Seventh Round Pick? Homegrown boy. Uh, I, you know what? I'll go with the better name. 
Uh, let's with the younger guy, Brady Keeper. Is your player Brady Keeper? Yes, my player is Brady Keeper. Congratulations. Okay. I breathe a sigh of relief. All right. Now, I must even it out here by guessing correctly between Nola Chari and Frank Vitrano. And, you know, I'm going to follow my heart and say, is your player Nola Achari? Oh, I come out with a first round victory because my player is Frankie Vitrano. Ouch. All right, we're off to a those good are two, start. Th- those are two former Boston Bruins at the end. Really, it cost wow. me. Cost me. Ouch. That, that, that should have been the question that you asked. Was your player a former Boston Bruin? Um, yeah, that should have been my first question. Yeah, I should have just started with that. God damn. <laughs> well, um, maybe you should wow. do that this round. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, so, okay. yes, that's that's what this, that's what this analytics say. Um, that's what I should start with. Okay, so round two. I'm off to a good one. I'm flying. I'm flying. All right. I'm, I'm ready. Okay. So I got my new player. Uh, I'll mute myself so that you can tell our listeners who your player is in three, two, one. My player is Brady Keeper. Coming back and I've returned. All right. Okay. I just, I just spotted a foul in my spreadsheet. I had Mike Hoffman still there. Anyways. Uh, okay. Muting in three, two, one. I am muted. My player is Marcus mm-hmm. Nudivara. All right, I am returning now. Uh, okay. okay, I have returned. All oh. right, so here we are. So round two. Now it is my turn to guess first. Perfect. All right, so let's go with a good old first name question, since that is one of the things listed on my uh, on my spreadsheet. Hmm. I want to see if I can whittle it down a little bit, but not too much, you know? Uh, you know, it's all about the risk-reward balance, as I'm sure you know. How about this one? Does your player's first name start with a letter from A to M? Yes, it does. My player's <sighs> first name does start with a letter from A to M. Trash. Don't like it. Trash? Oh, okay. Yeah. I like the I was, that. Okay. I was hoping for the other way around, but oh well. Okay. All right. So... I have what 20, 27 players. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna steal your number question from last time. Does your player have a number from uh, thirty or under? No, my player does not have a number thirty or under. Yeah, still Scott Wilson, obviously on the board. Our guy, mm-hmm. Scott Wilson. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know what I'm gonna do. I'm going to make the theme of this round of guess who. Uh, what letter does your player's first name start with? So that wow. every single one of my questions is going to be that. Uh, does your player's first name start with A, B, or C? Yes, it does. Oh, come on. There's so many A's, B's, and C's. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I was concerned. I players thought I A, B, C is just is not many. But uh, okay. I have nine players left now still. Should I go with just numbers? Uh, go strictly with the analytic route. Uh, that's kind of boring, actually. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna look elsewhere for uh, maybe I'll go last name because I don't think anybody's done that, right? You've done obviously first name expertise. Uh, okay. Yeah, no last names yet. Right. So, uh, does your player's last name start with the letter N to Z? Yes, my player's last name does start with letter N to Z. All right, that's just the second half of the alphabet. And it's also just half the players I had left, so I'm down to eight. Okay, so you... Wait a second. Um, I guessed first, right? Yes. For this round? Yeah. yeah. So you're you're winning right now. You had eight players left, I've got nine. All right, here we go. Does your player's first name start with A? No. All right, okay, I'm down to four players now. Oh, this is a disaster. Okay. All right. I have seven players. Sorry. Seven players. Seems I can't count today. Um, but uh, okay. All right. Hmm. So I'm not going to go dip back into the number segment. I think I'll go with, um, let's see. Yeah, we'll go with the with draft team. So was your player drafted by the Florida Panthers? My player was not drafted by the Florida Panthers. That's not good. I don't like that. Um, so that, oh my God, that only eliminates three. It's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. 
All right. All right. Okay, I'm down to my four players whose names start with B and C. We got Brady Keeper, Brett Connolly, Carter for Carter Verhage, and Chris Dredger. Let's go with. Hmm. I don't know if I want to. Should I stick with the first? Yeah, I'll stick with it. It got me this far. Uh, and I'll I'll get it down to two. Does your player's first name start with B? Yes, it does. Uh, okay. So that's good. Keeper right. and Connolly, final two. I will I will also slice it down uh, in half. Was your player drafted in the seventh round? Yes, my player was drafted in the seventh round. Should have led with that one. Um, okay. All right. So I, I've left with... with... Does your player's name start with B? But, but here we yeah, are. Yeah, really. Um, so I'm left with uh, Mr. No Number, Scott Wilson, and Marcus Nudevara. So those are my two seventh rounders. All, All right. right. So... Let's see. I've I've got to win this one and the next one if I want to win the game as a whole. Otherwise, oh, well, if you win, it's over. And if we get a tie, then the best I can do is tie. So we got Brady Keeper and Brett Connolly. Went with Keeper last. No, I didn't go with Keeper last time. I had Keeper last time. And you know, I'm just gonna go with the the arbitrary logic of a player will probably not appear twice. So is your player Brett Connolly? My player is not Brett Connolly. So. Your logic, uh, the stats have failed you. Okay, for the win. Oh my god, I can clinch it in two rounds. I don't think we've had a clean sweep yet uh, on Guess Who. This would be a historic moment. Or I could completely bungle it and choke my lead. We'll see. Uh, Okay. You know, I really don't think it's likely that noted numberless icon Scott Wilson got chosen. Given that, Brady Keeper just did get chosen twice. Uh, So I will go with the statistic normalcy. Is your player number 65, drafted in the seventh round by the Columbus Blue Jackets, Marcus Nudevara? Yes, my player is Marcus Nudevara. Oh Congratulations. Oh, wow. Just like that. Uh, and yours was on. Brady Keeper? My player was, in fact, Brady Keeper. Uh, wow. Just, um, okay. He, I would say, yeah. He kept his place in our game from round one <laughs> to two. Fucking terrible. Um, but uh, should have seen that as a sign. Yeah, really should have, eh? You should if you oh. went with that logic and pulled off pulled it off, that would have been remarkable. But uh, alas, it was not meant to be. And okay, all right. So I took the L last time in pretty miserable fashion, but I I, I came back motivated today. I think the skinny wow. strategy has worked. Uh, I would like to praise my Excel sheet for not breaking down on me like last like like, like it did last time. And uh, yeah, this is my victory speech right here. Uh, I'd like to thank my gracious opponent for uh, picking all the wrong players. Uh, and uh, I would, yeah, I'd like to shout out my two boys, uh, Marcus Nudevara and uh, Brady Keeper. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, um, I would just like to say that your skinny strategy worked, whereas my two skinny strategy did not work. But, you know, on the other hand, now that I think of it, I think a lot of we do make this game a little more complicated than it has to be because if we wanted to, we could just pick one, <laughs> one characteristic and ask the question based on the exact number that we want to whittle it down to. So I honestly don't think the amount of information on our spreadsheets has anything to do with it, but whatever. I, I don't know. I like to win with style though. I like to win with style. I go, I go jump around, you know. But you know, maybe, maybe next time I'll just I'll just take everybody's weight uh, and and start just like. <laughs> <laughs> you never know you never know mm-hmm. maybe i'll take uh the amount of assists everybody scored in the 2017-18 season yeah who knows maybe you'll see a shooting percentage round next time around uh, uh i'll come i'll come with the blazing unfortunately for everybody mean. who didn't play a game last year but yeah who knows we'll see uh what, what other what other stats can we use i mean oh, i'm sure there's a million things we could come up with that we just haven't haven't thought of Expected goals for. I, I will come in hot with the XGM. Contract surplus point. value. Oh, that's perfect. How topical. Perfect. Okay. Uh, so I guess what you, we'll, we'll see what you have, what we both have prepared. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how you uh, come back from this adversity. Uh, show your grit and tenacity after taking, a, taking an L this time around. Uh-huh, embarrassing loss. So now we're back tied like we were for a very long time. We were tied 1-1-3 one, one, and three for multiple weeks, and now we're tied 2-2-3. Two, two, and three. So, you know, so back where we were. Do I, get a tiebreaker? do I get a tiebreaker for having the only sweep? I feel like, of course I feel like you that's don't. 
No way. Do wow. NHL teams get tie breaks for? Uh, I was gonna say goal differential, yeah. which is actually. Loser. But, yeah. No, but I'm saying like. Right? Well. No, because no, that would only work if we decided to introduce overtime when we came up with ties, which we don't. Right. Okay. So. So what, what was your what was your what was your analogy going to be? My analogy was going to be that like in the NHL, a win that's three to one doesn't count more than a win that was two to one, but that's technically not true because goal differential is like the sixth tiebreaker or something. So I did exactly. the analogy. Well, you know, I would stick with that analogy. Actually, I think it's more accurate than you give credit for because, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, fine. You know what? You get it. Okay. You get the tiebreaker as it stands. As it stands as in it first stands. place. Yeah, if you sweep me, of course that tiebreaker uh, evaporates. But uh, okay, we've got uh, we've got a decent standings going on, uh, and uh, okay, just like that, I've taken the the guess who lead. Let's go! Wow, the snap of a finger. All right, beware though. Three weeks from now, whichever team we pick, who? How about the, whichever team Mike Hoffman signs with? If it happens within the next three weeks, that's who we'll do for guess who. Unless we've already done that team, then we won't redo them. But how about that? Okay, cool. Sounds great. So I guess that's the okay. end of this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow it on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. And if you want, you can listen to some old episodes just for fun if you have nothing else to do. But most people have something to do, so you probably do as well. <laughs>